0: Welcome to getting to the truth in this art. I am your host, Rob Lee, the, the, the noted podcaster your your mom told you about. Uh, I am here today with comedian, filmmaker, cosplayer, Nickelback fan, mm, uh, Josie Marcelino. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So. One. I it's it's just teeth. All I see is teeth and glasses right now because <laughs> it, it smiles and I and I love that from a comedian and I love that from kinda following you and some of the stuff that you do. And I've been following for a little bit and I think at least the last two years of the cosplay stuff and I was like, All right, that's someone I need to have a conversation with. So <laughs> Let's 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 talk about let's talk about um, comedy. Let's talk about some of your interest in the cosplay components of things. How did you get started with with comedy and like what kind of drew you into doing the the cosplay stuff?
1: So both kind of very separate times of my life. Um, for comedy, I was something that I had always sort of known that I was interested in. I knew that I liked making people laugh and I had a little bit of a background in theater. So I was kind of familiar with being on the stage. And then in, uh, the end of 2018, I sort of took the plunge and just went for it. And I didn't really know how that worked. Um, there was two comedy clubs where I'm from in Baltimore and I assume that that's where you went to do stand up for the first time ever so one of them had like a a monthly competition they were like new new talent competition and I was like I guess that's where you start and it turns out that's not where most people start um <laughs> most people would start at like a bar or something like that but I I just went for it and the first time I got on stage it it wasn't great but it wasn't terrible and then the second time which was like a month later I went back to that same competition and I walked away with second place so thankfully it it did kind of work out it really was just a matter of like I had mentioned to a few people that I wanted to do it I said like my new year's resolution for like the five years prior was that I would finally do it and it never happened so um, I had gotten my tonsils out that summer and I couldn't talk for like two weeks and you go a little crazy when you can't talk you're just in your head so i started writing material and uh, i put it out on facebook i was like when my throat heals and i can talk again i'm gonna do stand up and i put it out there so i couldn't take it back like i had to i had to go for it at that point and i'm glad that i did um cosplay i was a real big anime nerd when i was a kid and my dad god love him was trying to be supportive and understanding so he was like i guess i'll take her to a convention And that is how this monster was created. (laughs) I saw people in these costumes and I was like, I want to dress up so bad. Like, I want to look like them. I want to do that. And uh, then my parents, neither of them knew how to sew. So they got me sewing lessons um, when I was 12 years old with this little old lady in my hometown. She was like a bridal seamstress. And I came to her like heavy in my goth phase and like ready to make some cosplay And she did not understand what I was going for, but she's like, look, if I can teach you how to make a wedding dress, like you can make anything. She was like a bridal seamstress. So for the next like three years, just with her, I learned how to sew attire for like brides and grooms and groomsmen and, and, you know, bridesmaids. Like that's what we did. We did wedding attire and uh, I was able to take those skills and somehow translate them into, frank the trash man reynolds and magic carpet <laughs> you know like i was able to turn that into that so it's been it's been an interesting road
0: yeah um and it's really good stuff that you're, you're putting together and just seeing your creativity your interests, and it's like that like I said, that was the, the the key move or what have you. Because I'm I'm a snob in many regards. I'm a comedy snob. I'm a movie snob. I'm a podcast snob as well. So, <laughs> but getting getting someone's personality is like, all right, someone can have a funny observation. You get some of that out of it, but also kind of saying like, oh, oh, okay, you're a nerd too. Great, we got to talk. Right. Um, <laughs> so n- now this is like early for this question, but I'll still ask it. Um, yeah what what is what's your funniest memory like whether it be a memory growing up whether it be a memory on stage um, things of that nature what comes to your mind when you think of like that's a that was a funny moment that was something that that won't really left
1: there i mean so i think my funniest moments in my life don't necessarily happen on stage um, they there obviously like the whole goal with stand up is to make people laugh and i think it's, you know, it's funny for the audience. I get good feedback, but the moments that are truly funny for me are the ones that aren't planned. So like in stand-up, those would be the moments that like, you know, just something in the room or in the environment that we're in happens and you respond to it. And it's just like sort of a product of that moment. Those are my favorites in that setting. Mm-hmm. But my, the funniest moments that I have are like just little awkward things that have come out of nowhere, um, in my day-to-day life. Like I, when I think about the time that I have literally laughed the hardest in my life, my best friend and I were driving down the highway and we hadn't slept in like 24 hours. And the song into the night, which is like Santana and Chad Kroger came on and we sang it at the top of our lungs. And that was good. (laughs) And then normal, you know, it was just, we were like 16, no big deal. And then it got to, there's like this lengthy guitar solo and we sang the, t- the guitar solo like at the top <laughs> of our lungs and neither of us intended to do that. And we just kept getting higher and higher and higher with it. And we were both just like crying, laughing because we, we didn't expect either one of us to take it that far and we just did. And it was, that I think is like the hardest I've ever laughed. So it's like, that doesn't translate super well on stage, yeah. but like just those moments where you can be all in and just, you know, kind of give into that spontaneity of what's going on. Those are my favorites. Those are the funniest things to me.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I definitely echo that sentiment. Um, like I do two other podcasts outside of this and mm-hmm. sometimes like the, these podcasts, they're structured, they kind of have questions and so on, but the other ones are mostly improv. So like, we'll have, like, we want to cover these and it's like, here's the thing. What do you got? So <laughs> I, I want to say it was maybe around like, maybe around the election or something. It was like a flub. And I was like, you know, I just want Barry Sanders running for office. And my boy looked at me. He was like, you mean Bernie Sanders? I was like, no, like Barry Sanders. Like, just imagine him like running through the defenses. (laughs) And then he's like, so we're just kind of doing this thing or this bit we had of, um, I think this is around like, like uh some of the protests and the anti-protests of ultimately what happened with with George Floyd and I was like yo we should appeal to this white audience with like problematic ice cream and just it's just briers and vanilla and it's just not good but we use that for like funding like trans lives advocacy and black lives matter it was a wild bit but it was just off the cuff we didn't say hey let's talk about these things right. it was just off the cuff
1: right yeah. And that's, that's the best. And some of the comedians that I respect the most, um, one of them in particular right now that I've been really into is uh, Sam Morrill, who will literally just at the end of his shows, turn to the audience and be like, you guys want to talk about anything? And then people will shout things out and he will just off the cuff kind of make things happen. And I think that that is probably the most impressive way that you can do stand up, you know, yeah. is just to kind of fly by the seat of your pants. Um, Cause yeah, the, when an audience comes to see a show or listen to a podcast or whatever, like they are expecting, you know, to be entertained. Like the goal is to make them laugh. But for you as the entertainer, like you have things structured in your head. Yeah. So, you know, you don't get to enjoy the punchline as much as they do. But when, you know, when something like that happens and you're able to just kind of like take it and run like that is, you know, that's super satisfying.
0: Yeah, I mean, as a result, a running joke that we've had for like the last eight years is we don't call Kentucky, Kentucky. We call it Kentuckus because I, I kind of botched it in a podcast. So I interviewed a dude who was from Kentucky and I was like, yeah, so you're from Lexington, Kentuckus. And I realized I was like, oh, that's just part of my lexicon now. And he was like, you mean Kentucky? I was like, nah, Kentuckus.
1: I just gaslight him into thinking that he's been saying his state wrong the whole his whole life. I love absolutely, that. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. That's just what I do. Yeah. It's it's like a Matt Bronner bit where he's like, yeah, you know, you just say something that's on a menu that you know is not on there to see if the person's going to look for it.
1: Right.
0: <laughs> so I've read that comedians often draw from personal experience uh, to get some some kind of laughs. There's this particular laugh that they might be looking for. Additionally, some comedians said that there are topics that mm, might not be funny. Maybe you write a better joke or I'm going to steer clear of that. What do you think of of that maybe looking for a certain type of laugh or certain topics that you really don't think that sure uh, that that comedian should do.
1: So I personally think that you can joke about anything as long as you're funny. That's yes. that's my whole thing. So for me my mm-hmm. style I do rip a lot from my own real life. I either, you know, kind of vary between like storytelling and just observational humor um and that That is like very much in my wheelhouse. I think I can make that funny. I don't know that I can make certain topics funny. Like there are definitely, again, I don't think that there are any boundaries on what you can and can't say, as long as, you know, you're doing it as a funny joke. You know, there are some people that try to certainly masquerade just ignorance and some bigotry and be like, I'm joking, I'm kidding. And it's like, oh, that's not... (laughs) not quite. So I think that as long as you're, you know, actually being funny with it, then all is fair. I personally don't, you know, as a, as a 20 something year old white woman, I'm only going to see the world through a certain lens. So I'm not going to try and branch out beyond that for the sake of like, you know, I want to, I want to be able to tackle this type of joke. Like if I can't make it funny, I'm not going to try to.
0: I love that. I, uh, I, I kind of think the same thing. And I, I go back to, like one of my favorite comedians is Patrice O'Neill. And he was just like, look, Mm -hmm. I'm here for comedy. I'm here for whatever the laughs. I'm not here to kind of debate on this topic. And he's like debating on Fox News of all places with like, it was just a, a woman from, uh, feminist league or something in like New York. And she was just like, these topics, this is just unfunny. And then you can hear the cameraman just laughing. And he's like, well, someone thinks it's funny. And you just like overhear him laughing while trying to do his job. And it's just like, well, your point is being disproven right here. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah, I I think like if the attempt is there, like, you know, some people want to be provocative and we have this, I think we, we have this notion to try to be safe, and that stems creativity. It stems like maybe ideas you have in your head of there's some humor in here. Can I get something out of it? Or even having the hesitation of maybe writing for someone else, you know, saying like I right. may not be the person for it, but you might be a better person for this. What can we do with mm-hmm.
1: that? Yeah. I've had uh, the other thing to think about um, with stand up and sort of the, the tone of the world today, um, how people react to certain things, it's important to remember that like, you can make a joke about anything and it's going to offend someone out there. Someone. Like I have had two instances where people were like, you can't, that's offensive. And one, I called the dog ugly. If you want a pack <laughs> of white women to come after you, like make fun of a dog, that is apparently the easiest way to just get thrown at the stake. Like, it's just, Oh my God. <laughs> the other one, I had a, uh, a personal experience. This is a true story. I worked on a commercial for the make a wish foundation. It was like an internal sort of commercial. It was a promotional video. Like that was only meant to go to their like employees and their, their network and their vendors. So we were working on that and I noticed, um, you know, they had like all these books around the office of like just different wishes that they had granted. And I, I was looking through them at one point at lunch and some of them are really grandiose and, you know, kids get to meet celebrities and they, they get to go to these, you know, destinations that they never thought they would. And it's really, I mean, it's sweet. I don't think anybody doesn't fuck with the make a wish foundation. Can okay. I press on this? Yeah, you're fine. Um, you're fine. Okay, cool. So I don't think that anybody's like, fuck the make a wish foundation. Like they're, they're doing great, but I did notice like in one of these books the one story was like the girl wanted to be katy perry she wanted to be a pop star so they threw her her own concert at a stadium the redskins were there like it was a whole thing like she had like this big giant thing where she was a pop star and then i flipped the page and the next page was a kid whose wish was a banana split for breakfast and that's (laughs) what they gave him and I'm like, nobody <laughs> at that organization was like, yo, man, like wish harder. Like, nothing. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, that, to me, that was very funny. So I, I made a joke about it and I made a bit about the Make Wish Foundation. And I had somebody in my life who had cancer as a child get very angry with me. And it was like, you know, it wasn't even like I wasn't making fun of dying children yeah. by any means. Um, but that's a sensitive area in her life, you know? Yeah. And that was something that she's gonna, she's gonna be sensitive to. If you make jokes about drunk, drunk driving, somebody in the audience might've lost a family member to a drunk driver or, you know, you're, you're never going to be able to please everyone. And if you're not making fun of any situation, then you're not actually doing comedy. So yeah. I don't know, it's, uh, it's not worth tiptoeing around. As Mm -hmm. long as you do everything with a good spirit and good intentions and you're trying your best, I think that you'll be fine. If you go into a joke with some prejudice or hate or bigotry or whatever behind it, then obviously that's not funny. But, you know, you can't you can't be too timid of the world around you.
0: Yeah. Like, you know. I, I like to look at like everyone, I think it's a normalizing thing. Like if everyone mm-hmm. is, if you're, let's say making fun of, let's say different people or what have you, you're having jokes about different people. I think mm-hmm. that's a normalizing thing that to me, is like, everyone is equal. Everyone is the equal target of the, this right. ridicule of satire. And, you know, like I, I had this thing I was talking about um and I just thought it was a great marketing idea. I was just like, yo, look, some of these like Asian American restaurants in the city in Baltimore, it's like they kind of jump on the, the wagon. Like there's a place called Obama Mart. I shit you not. That's like on like Greenmount. I was like, yo, why couldn't they come up with a place called like Wakanda? And it's like a wok, and then you have like Black Panther shit and everything is just related to it. And I was like, you're fucking marketing genius. I was like, I know. This is why I need to be hired. So it's just like, yo, someone can take it as this is offensive because blah blah blah, and it's like it's not. It's not. We're talking about enterprising people. <laughs> right. So talk about collaborations a bit. Like, do you pursue any collaborations or projects in your career in addition to stand-up? And if so, how are they made?
1: Hang on one second. because yeah. I think my sushi just arrived.
0: Your Colombian sushi.
1: Hola. Si, si, si. Gracias. Okay. Oh, gracias. Gracias
0: we will keep all of the Spanish in because <laughs> it, it just flowed out. I was like, how is she going to answer this door?
1: <laughs>
0: it's, just, hey, it's like, okay, sure. Believe me, uh,
1: mi español is es mierda, but uh, I, I'm getting there. Thank, I've traveled in uh, Latin America before, but this yeah. is the first time that I've been in a country where like, they really don't speak English in Colombia. So I'm just like, ah, I guess, you know,
0: Motor, i'm gonna like. go for it
1: yeah i was in costa rica over the summer and uh i would try to speak to sp- speak to people in spanish and they would respond in english it's like, so i got the hint i was like okay yeah you're right that's it's not- like
0: uh no good
1: <laughs> yeah they're just like i'd be like donde el baño and they'd be like yeah two blocks down that way make a left, and i'm like oh shit all right thanks
0: <laughs> and it's not even a real one it's just like a bucket it's like yo yeah enjoy
1: exactly exactly so uh yeah sorry um as far as collaborations go i mean so i my day job i actually work for a tv show um and that is certainly very collaborative that's not i don't have a ton of creative control in my uh in my actual like day job so when i've you know made my own films and stuff in the past, obviously that has to be very, very collaborative because you have a team on that. Um, in up, I don't think I've ever really collaborated with people outside of like, you know, Hey, come and be on my show, come and do this. My material, like I've never sat down and written with somebody else. I've never gone to like a, like a class or anything for it, which Does seem interesting. I just don't know. It's not how I started. So I don't know if it's something I would really look into. Mm -hmm. Um, As far as cosplay goes, my collaborations there are usually just friends of mine that I can convince to do this crazy shit with me. Um, So my best friend has appeared in a number of my costumes at this point. Um, She was... Daphne to my Velma this year. Last year she was uh the Kim Possible to my Shigo and the um Oh I'm gonna forget his name. But she was my my opposite in the Blades of Glory costume. Like she and she's actually the one that takes all of the photos. Oh wow. So yeah, so she uh you know she's a really good sport in that sense. And usually I can just be like, Will you do this with me? And she's like, Yeah, I'm down, let's go. Um I had two other friends and then my boyfriend this year also joined in on some of the cosplay shenanigans. And that's, that's honestly my favorite thing. Like I love doing it by myself, but I really love when I get to like have somebody else kind of come into the madness with me, especially for October. It's such a weird and stressful, but fun thing that like I have done to myself. Like nobody has demanded that I do this. I just went ahead and did it to myself and I'm, I'm glad that I did. But uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely been interesting.
0: So I have a couple more questions before you? I get into like my rapid fire ones. Uh, mm-hmm.
1: So do you mind if I, if I shove sushi rolls in my mouth,
0: please, please. That's we're a very sushi Great. roll uh, friendly podcast.
1: Great. I have no idea what I ordered because I ordered it in Spanish. I just clicked buttons and now something has arrived in front of me. I have no idea what these sauces are. We're going to, it's, it's going to be fine. It's going to
0: be fine. I Go ahead. don't know this. That, and the last podcast from Josie. <laughs> uh, so speak on um, maybe one of the more challenging cosplays that you did. W- was it challenging in terms of the creation component? Was it a challenge in terms of sourcing, like the materials to kind of bring everything together? It was just like this doesn't fit the way that I want it to. <laughs> like speak on like some of those challenges with your, your cosplay.
1: So certainly over the years, as I have gotten better at my craft, things have been, yeah, I've taken on things that I was like, maybe I wasn't quite ready for this. Like I remember a few years back I did a Cal Drogo like gender bend that I liked, but looking back on it, I'm like, I certainly could have done that a lot better. Um, You know, I wasn't used to working with leather and I wasn't, you know, I was doing too much in such a short amount of time. Now um, I think back to like the most recent struggles where i'm like how the fuck am i gonna do this the <laughs> two for this year um actually the three the crimson chin i did yes. not figure i was like how do i make this chin because i can make a skin tight suit like for a human face mm-hmm. but nobody has a face with a chin <laughs> like a giant rectangle jutting out so I ended up cutting off like a big block of uh, like furniture foam and finding a way to sew it in. And I had it like strapped down to my chin so hard. I like almost, I gave myself a migraine just having it on, Um, but it worked. It worked out. So I was very happy with that. Um, The, the dirty bubble, I had no fucking clue how I was (laughs) going to do that. Right. The entire, like I, I knew that I was doing that costume since last Halloween. Like I knew that that was going to come around. I thought about it. It came to me as I was like sitting at my parents' house and I was like, Oh my God, I have to do it. That'd be so funny. And it was um but i i was trying to overcomplicate it i'm like i know i want it to be see-through so that you know i could make like the bikini like the eyes and the mouth like i think that would be hilarious if like i turned my body into the face and then i'm just like this basically like a dirty bubble uh-huh. um but i was like do i do i install like clear hula hoops and i was trying to do that but they're even though they're clear they're not see-through like it's so it just didn't quite work out and then i was like what if i just hold my arms up mm-hmm. and I looked in the mirror I was like son of a bitch that was the answer <laughs> so I, I spent so much time like over it and it ended up being so simple um, the other one that was particularly hard for me this year was Cyborg from Teen mm-hmm. Titans I don't work with foam I typically will outsource I have a friend who's a prop master and for any foam props that I've had for certain costumes he will assist me with that but he was like, I'm too busy to assist this year like I can. I was like, that's fine. I'm still going to go for it. <laughs> and right. I did. And I, I was shocked with how I was able to make that work. I really, Cyborg was the one where I was like, I'm not going to be able to get this done. And I don't even have a backup. And it <laughs> worked out. I was very pleasantly surprised.
0: That's dope. That's dope. W- one of the things I wanted to do, and then the live action joint came out. My beard kind of grows in, in a very Mm -hmm. jet black sort of way. And I was like, look, I could just be fucking black dog. I could just make that happen. And I'm like six, four, which this doesn't help show that I'm six, four. I was like, I can make this happen. And like my former best friend, he kind of has the spike hair. It's a little, he's not Asian. (laughs) That's the only thing. It's just like, you're a white dude. So don't, don't do anything weird. Don't do any weird eye shit. Don't don't be Scarlett Johansson right. and fucking. I was like, no, nah, I can't. I can't jam. Can't jam with it. Right, right. And it just never got to it. But I think I'm gonna make it happen. I'm just like, yo, can you let out the suit that <laughs> that dude wore in the show? Just make it a little fatter, and then I can get in there. And then great. Uh, I like it. So in real life, I, I think comedians can be really uh, hard to read sometimes, and I think like. Mm-hmm somehow sometimes the way that they're approach is like hey be funny do something funny right now funny person uh and some are practical jokers too it's like oh yeah i'm gonna fuck with you yeah like I, I think of bill murray at times what have you it's like oh yeah you're you're just a card uh how different are you on stage versus you in real life
1: i think it depends on how well you know me um if you know me and i'm pretty cool with you i will fuck around pretty hard um, I will like uh, very sarcastic, very dry humor. I make my therapist laugh every single week. Cause I just say some outlandish shit. So that kind of translates into my real life. But outside, like, if I don't know somebody, I try to actually be very, very sweet. Like I, I don't, I'm not a dick. Um, people will typically, after I sort of start to open up, will get a sense of like, okay do you perform like are you a comedian like I've had uh at my grandpa's funeral earlier this year I gave a speech and uh one of the cousins that I hadn't seen since five years prior at my grandma's funeral he was like that was really good he was like you should you should do stand-up comedy like your delivery is so good he was like and you know I I thought that when I saw your grandma's and I was like interesting thing Uh, in between grandma and grandpa I actually started stand-up comedy so thank you so I guess some of it some of it kind of translates, um No, I definitely still like making people laugh and I'll I'll go the extra mile to try and do that in my day to day.
0: Yeah. It's
1: less rehearsed than, you know, when you're on stage.
0: I try to do the the drive thing or what have you. I always get Oh, you have a radio voice. I say, eh, you're you're ugly.
1: You do have a radio voice and my mother is a radio DJ. So I feel like I'm very qualified to say that.
0: That's a qualified response. I I appreciate Mm -hmm. that one. And, um, (laughs) but usually it's either that or I don't talk enough. So when people find Mm -hmm. them, I actually have a dry sense of humor. I have a little wit to me. It's like, Oh shit. That was actually funny. Like because I don't talk, I had this running bit because people would say stupid shit is where I worked at in previous. And it's like, Kind of going back to that thing you said earlier, just white women talking about dogs. Me and Pepper went out this week and I was like, oh, my God. So I wanted to spice it up one day and I said it dry. And I was like, yeah. So, you know, this past weekend I went to this illegal fight club in a basement in like Station North. And my boss just like paused. She's like, hold on. Is that a real thing? I was like, can you tell me? Like you see the star (laughs) right here and she's just like, okay. And I was like, yeah. And people are like kind of laughing their asses off. They're trying not to Mm -hmm. trying to keep a straight face. And I was like, yeah, this is my lane, especially in the office. It's like, none of y'all know me, but I at least need y'all to know that there's a personality behind this.
1: When I used to work in restaurants, uh, I worked in like high-end restaurants through college and all the new girls that I would train would be amazed because I would be behind the hostess stand, you know, at the service bar just saying the absolute raunchiest things just to get a laugh. Like I would just say, I'm not particularly raunchy on stage, but you know, off off of the stage, I'll give it to you pretty hard. And, uh, I was just saying some outlandish shit. And then like, as soon as a customer rounds the corner or the phone rings, I just immediately turn into this very professional, soft-spoken person. And they're like, what the fuck (laughs) is that? Like, it's just Dr. and Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Like, it's, yeah. yeah, just the instant switch of like, oh, nope, this is my work voice. And this is who I am here. The, the, I think the difference, the main difference in the problem that I sort of run into is uh, I, I've never been proper. There's been suspicion amongst the doctors and mental health professionals that I've seen. Uh, I've never been properly diagnosed as autistic. But sometimes you will be in a conversation with me. and You'll be like this is the most autistic person i've ever talked to in my life i am fucking awkward um so (laughs) i i have it together when i'm on stage like i trans i I channel that into the right thing but if i'm like just in a social setting especially with like new people god damn it i'm (laughs) stiff Uh, like i have to physically bring myself out of it i have to be like okay like almost like put on your human suit And interact with these people like a normal person, like Mark Zuckerberg, basically, where he's just like, I forget how to act human, but I'm trying my best. Like, that's me sometimes.
0: I'm like, fuck. It's a bunch of errors just popping up on the screen.
1: Yeah. Like, I'm like, these people are going to think that something's wrong with you, that you're either like having a stroke or like that you're fucking with them or you're an asshole. And I'm like, I'm just so awkward. Like, that's really what it is.
0: I I run into this going out publicly, like people will invite me to stuff. And I'm like, yo, look, I'm awkward. I take up a lot of space. I don't know what to say. I was like, I can't fake it either. Oh, this is such transformative. It's like, "Ah, I don't know. Is that dogs playing poker? That's the type of art I'm into. Right. And and it's just like, oh, you know, you're so great. You're so nice. I was like, no, 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 I'm a dick. I just don't know how to talk to you quite, quite yet. Mm -hmm. All right so that's all i have for the actual real life questions then we can get to these like rapid fire questions it's just five quick ones um give context if you want to but it's not necessarily needed all right okay. a nickname your parents used to call you squozy strong still call me that what is your favorite drink uh the, don't, the be sparkly- don't be boring don't be boring
1: the sparkling ice like sparkling water shit that's just all it's all chemical that's all it
0: is like the little small yes Uh uh-huh that black raspberry one is fire though
1: oh they're so good i like the strawberry lemonade i attribute 50 pounds of weight loss to those things
0: (laughs) yeah yeah
1: if we're talking alcoholic i'm a whiskey girl but uh i i will forget to drink water for a solid month because i will be drinking those things
0: I just will drink a case of like Topo Chico. Like, I, I just love it. It's like, oh yeah, effervescence. Yeah, great. This, that, that makes up because I don't, I don't drink soda. So it kind of mm-hmm. makes up for It's like, oh, Same. I just need like fizz in my mouth. Like right now. Yes,
1: like, exactly. I need to feel static. Like, let's mm-hmm. go. Uh,
0: three words that would describe your brand of comedy.
1: Um, realistic. Like, tr- I think true to life, realistic. Um, hopefully funny hopefully that's
0: (laughs) that face right there
1: (laughs) hopefully that's the first thing actually that people are saying
0: um i know that she chose a (laughs) secondly
1: yeah it came to me i'm like oh actually shit maybe maybe that should have been number one uh but yeah hopefully realistic hopefully funny (laughs) and um shit what would be a third one just i i think i'm a little on the drier side now i used to be very animated and now i'm kind of i'm still finding my voice with like what works best so i think i'm going a little bit drier now
0: yeah uh hidden talent i can touch my tongue to my nose i I mean you said it so i
1: i I, people are like what's your hidden talent i don't hide anything other than that i can touch my tongue to my nose i can put my fist in my mouth i won't put my fist in my mouth on the podcast because this will be the one time that i can't get it back out but i will touch my tongue to my nose
0: Wow. Good on you.
1: I learned that when I was like four. Very weird. But, uh, yeah.
0: I have none other than just taking up space. Like, (laughs) it's just like, I'm in the way. (laughs) Ta-da. People
1: people are like, what's your hidden talent? I'm like, I don't hide shit. I'm like, if I do something, it's weird. (laughs) The only time that I hide stuff is like when I'm in a situation like this and I'm traveling and I'm meeting people in the hostel, and eventually they'll be like, what do you do? And I'm like, I actually work for uh, an American reality TV show and then they're like, which one? And I don't, yeah. I don't put it out on social media, but uh, I'll say which one. And they're like, what the fuck? And then like the conversation will continue on. And I'm like, yeah, and I do stand up and they're like, what? Like that's my only time yeah. of like hiding. I'll be like, here's my Instagram. They're like, why do you have 40,000 followers? And I'm like, <laughs> cause I dress up and d- dorks like it. Um, so it's just, that's the only time that I sort of hide the talents, but like yeah. if I woke up tomorrow and figured out that I could rollerblade, I'd be, that would be everywhere. Everyone would fucking know. I wouldn't shut up about it. I'd be like, I rollerblade now. I kayaked once and I bought kayaking stickers from my car. I was like, ready. I'm like, yeah.
0: I was almost a home brewer because I was like, you know, I really like this, like, you know, artisanal beer. You know what? I'm going to do this, man. I'm really going to make it happen.
1: Yeah. Exactly. And it's just like,
0: you have no interest in this. You, you, you fucking barely like, Never mind. It, It doesn't matter uh all right this is the last one what's Mm -hmm. something without fail that would always make you laugh
1: my friends for sure i don't keep people around that are uh that are boring like you have to be able to make me laugh in order to sort of be in my circle Mm -hmm. and uh that sounded really fucking pretentious but a little bit (laughs) but no i mean like i I get bored very, very easily. So my friends are all just wild outlandish people and definitely can make me laugh. So my friends, people falling down, I wish it didn't. Um, but like, if you get like, if you see somebody that takes like a real big oof and you're like, they're not dead, (laughs) that'll do it. Um, poop jokes and fart jokes. I don't care how old I get. I'm probably still going to laugh at those. Like I am a 12 year old boy and I will laugh at shit like that. So Yeah, the bar for my, I try to be a little bit of intelligent, I try to be a little bit intelligent in terms of the humor that I put out, Uh, but in terms of what it takes to make me laugh, it does not have to be smart. Not at all. It's it's really the lower brow, the better for me.
0: I I think that that's similar to like when you talk to a chef and it's like, yo, you do this French food, what have you. So you guys are eating blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, I want a really good greasy cheeseburger. Like that's where my sensibility. Yeah.
1: 100%. When I was in film school, all the time, you know, the icebreaker for the class is like, what is your favorite film? And to not be a dick, I would say the name of the film that like got me into filmmaking and that I had an aesthetic appreciation for. And then by the time senior year rolled around, they were like, what's your favorite film? And I'm like, Sex Drive and Step Brothers. Those are my two. Like, I like, people would be like, I love the play of light in this film. And I'm like, I love the way that Will Ferrell rubbed a prosthetic set of testicles on a drum set like that's that's what appeals to me
0: i i took a few film classes and i I just remember at the time it was like yeah you know jonathan demi was doing this and blah 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 now it's literally like you know if i can work in rocky four into our conversation that's what i'm doing it's like when rocky stopped communism and it came out the year i was born and it's just four music videos and then credits that's literally my sensibilities when it comes to film Mm -hmm. at this point so That's all that I had. I want to thank you for coming on to this podcast and invite you to share your social media, anything that you want to plug. But thank you. This has been great.
1: Thank you for having me. Yeah, you can find me. um, All of my social media is just at Josie Marcelino. Um, Yeah, I appreciate you letting me come on and eat sushi while I'm here and got to hear a little bit of Espanol. So
0: I'm a little jealous. I'm a little jealous. I want some sushi now. This is all your fart. All all your fault. I didn't say, I said all your fart. That sounded weird. All your fault. They're
1: fried. So it will be all my fart soon. So Uh, that's, you know, (laughs) I didn't think they were fried. I don't know Spanish.
0: Frito, I think is that. No, I don't know. Eh. So. For the I'm going to add another superlative uh, to this for comedian, filmmaker, cosplayer, Nickelback fan and sushi lover. We have Mm -hmm. uh, Josie Marcelino and I am Rob Lee saying that there is comedy in and around Baltimore. You just got to look for it.